Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hey, it's the Old Time Crime Gals with Melissa, and who do I have back with me? Shannon! Yay! It feels like forever. I, I think it's yes. been two, two, three. I think two it's been, or three weeks. I don't it feels know. like forever. Yes. Because I don't like to talk to myself, so that's why we did skip last week. And I do like to talk to myself, so <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. I just learned that I need to buy bubble wrap to, yes. to keep her, her you, safe. Yes, I fell and had a concussion. Yeah. I don't know if she told me I didn't. So. I didn't. I said you were recovering. Yeah, so I had um, a concussion. So if I'm a little off, then it's usually that way, but we'll just... <laughs> They blame it on the concussion. So as her welcome back, she's going to tell the story today. Yes. I'm sure it'll be quite funny. I'm really excited to tell the story. So I, are we ready to get started? I am. This is what, episode 30. <gasps> oh, wow. So for 30 weeks, we've been, oh, I think you are right. I think it is raining. It is raining. It is. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was raining. She thought it was the air. See, it just wasn't. I do have some rain up there. <laughs> Just a little bit. My, a little bit scrambled, but that's okay. It's raining where we are. Um, I don't know where you're at, but... It, Thank you for the, listening. Yes, we are very thankful that you stick with us. And I know in the States over here in America, we've got a lot going on as far as the hurricane and just a lot of things worldwide, especially. But um, we've had a lot of weather-related things. So we've been blessed where we're at. But um, getting some rain from a hurricane... Hey, that rhymed. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, Shannon. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about Kirsten Hatfield. And we're going to talk about a story that is heartbreaking and will definitely make you love, hug, and love your loved ones. Your loved ones tighter <laughs> tonight. If not, I don't know why every story we talk about should make you should, love yes. your... You should do that anyway. Yes, hug your loved ones. That's a tongue twister. So, and it might even make some of you scared to sleep. Hope not. Just lock all your windows and doors and just, you know. So, um, this is Every Mother's Nightmare. And like I said, it's the story of Kirsten Hatfield. <clears throat> so, Kirsten was just eight years old. And she was actually taken from her bed by a stranger in the middle of the night in May of, is that 1997? Yes. And so she would have actually been 32 yes. um, recently. And um, so we still want to talk about her case as recent developments may have halted authorities' motivation to continue to find any trace of Kirsten and her family um, is still searching for her after 24 years. So um, we want to definitely talk about the recent developments. Is that mm -hmm. towards get the to that? End. Okay. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So it was Tuesday night in Midwest City, Oklahoma, May 13th to be exact. And it started out like every other night. Kirsten had a little sister who was three years old. Her name was Faith. Her name was Faith. Okay. Um, so they lived with their mother, Sharon. And Sharon put the girls to bed around nine o'clock. And that was um, an unusual time for them. It was a small home and the girls actually shared a bed. So... So Kristen was, was eight, Faith was three. Wow. And so okay. they were kind of like like a sleepover. So they kind of kept each other company and well, they got along really well. And and especially if it's a small home and Sharon was, I'm assuming, a single mother. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So that I mean, makes... I remember sharing a, a room with my older brother and my younger sister. There was three of us in a room. Wow. Okay. For a while in the, when we had a smaller home when I was growing up. Yeah, my girls have to share a room. So, um, so Faith, her sister, was already asleep. And so instead of, instead of reading bedtime stories, which must have been how that was Sharon got them asleep. Yeah. Uh, Sharon just laid down with Kirsten for a little while and told her good night. She then left their room and started to close the door, but she actually left it cracked open a little bit. Which was her habit. Okay. So, she always did that in case the girls got up in the middle of the night and needed her for anything. She left and went to bed just like any other night. Now, I shut the bedroom door. I shut my son's door for fire reasons. Because yeah, if because the, if there's a fire and the door is shut, it can't get in the room and they can still get out their window or you can get emergency personnel in. Versus if the door's open or cracked, the fire can spread. See, so that's why I shut the door. But yeah. she left the door open because she wanted to hear them in the middle of the night if they got up or if they wanted to come to her room. But So I'm the mom that leaves the door open because no, I, I never knew about the shut door. <laughs> and so I leave my There's kids. a fire safety tip for you. Shut your door. Yeah. Even though I, I, I didn't like my door being shut. So that a lot of what I do as an adult <laughs> is what I was afraid of as a kid. Well, we I, our door is open, which defeats the purpose because my room will get you know engulfed in flames. But, but your room will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, he can climb out the window and save you. He can, yeah, he can call. <laughs> he can call for help. So, um, but I mean, you know, different families. Because I'll never forget when we were being babysat as children, um, which is something that my kids don't get because I can't afford one. <laughs> it's expensive for getting help is. these days. You know, in the day when I was babysitting, I got two dollars an hour. I mean, count them: oh, one, 14, two. 15 top 15 i don't even i mean well now you go through like care.com or like the people are background because you don't want to just like hey can susie come over and sit with the kids for because people are crazy you know we do a murder podcast yes people are crazy people still do that they get people over that they don't know well that's not you know what (laughs) all the people out there that want minimum wage go babysit there you go solution number one for america so anyway um sorry we digress there (laughs) So, I'm trying to find my place. Um, so, around 3 o'clock in the morning, Sharon was woken up by strange noises. She couldn't place what they were, but it seemed like they were coming from the girls' room. And again, they're the only ones in the house, small house. <laughs> yep. So, thinking the girls were waking up, she sleepily walked down the hall to check um, out what was going on. And she gets to the door, and the noise stops. So, Faith must have been talking in her sleep again, and maybe the girls had fallen back to sleep. So, she didn't want to disturb them or wake them up um, by, you know, making noise herself. So, she turned around, and she went back to bed. So, foggy from being startled so early in the morning, she never makes it back to her room because she realized something was off. So, she turns back around. And uh, the door to the girl's room was closed. Well, she knew out of a habit that she never closed the door at night. So that was already, you know, a bit but, of bail. But then that's one of those things like when you get, when you go somewhere and like, did I cut the coffee pot off? Did I yeah. cut off? Did I lock my door? Yeah. I always lock my door, but did I lock my door? Right. So now she's going through that. Did I really close the door or was yeah. I just too tired or That's what? true. That's true. So she's starting to wonder. And she remembered um, that she did leave it open, just like she does every night, but now it's closed. So, um, this is what gets me. So, she goes up to the door and cracks it back open and listens. And since she doesn't hear anything, 
and everything's quiet, she's, she's like, everything's okay. I'm going to okay. go back to bed. See, no. So she never went in. I go and check I mean, on my kids. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm like making sure that they're breathing and, you know, not one of them doesn't have the arm over the other one or anything. Um, so while everyone in the neighborhood was sleeping soundly, no one knew that the strange sounds that woke Sharon up were the sounds of a thief in the night that took Kirsten right from her own bed in the safety of her own home and was dragging her away. Sharon got up and went to wake the girls up in the next, the next morning. Mm -hmm. So she woke up about 7 a.m. and was getting ready for their morning routine. But today was not normal. When she walked into the room, she just found her daughter Faith. There was no Kirsten. Sharon asked her, where is your sister? But Faith couldn't really answer and just seemed a little confused. And there again, she's, she's three. three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so immediately, she, I mean, I'm confused in the mornings. So <laughs> I'm confused. A little a more than yeah, likely. <laughs> I know. I'm going to think for a while. Yes, please do. It's okay. I'm used to it now. <laughs> Even pre-concussion. So immediately Sharon begins searching the house. And she's thinking, well, maybe she got up earlier and headed to the kitchen for a snack because she is Which eight. is common for eight-year-olds. Yeah. My, my son will go downstairs and help himself to ice cream cones or whatever. See, he can for Pop-Tarts. Nobody so. can be in my house at three in the morning because I'm usually up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, what is that noise in the kitchen? She couldn't find her in the house. So she checked the yard and she started calling all the neighbors. She called the girl's grandfather. And immediately after that, she called 911. Once officers get there, she explains everything about how she woke up in the middle of the night because she had heard some noise and she mentioned um, about the door. And that's when she realized what woke her up must have been the sounds of Kirsten being taken. Man, that would just be, that would be horrible. I, yeah. That would, the regret alone would, I think, kill me. I think that's why I'm OCD about stuff in the middle, of, you know, with my kids, because you just don't want to have any regrets. And I mean, you can't stop everything, but. It, that would be hard. Um, so, let's see. After an extensive search by the police, confirming that Kirsten was nowhere in the house, they started looking um, closer into her room. And then they noticed some, thing, the, some strange things in the room. The girl's bedroom was at ground level. Okay. So, that means the window, probably close to the ground. When inspecting the room, the police notice that the window is cracked. Cracked open. It's, it's not all the way open, but it's cracked. Okay, yeah. Just, not a, like, just a little. Not like cracked. Like, like shattered. Shattered, but cracked open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That just threw me off for a minute because I think of cracked. Cracked, yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I was like, the door was cracked open, the window's cracked. The bad Keeping writing, a theme. Keeping a theme. open. So it was, it was open, just it was a jar. Our cars <laughs> like to say something was amiss. Yes. The window was a jar. <laughs> no, it was not a jar. Did you ever do that in the car when you saw it, the, the door is a jar? Did you say, no, it's not a jar, it's a door? No. No. <laughs> I know somebody listening to us has done that. My children, my daughter loves puns, so she likes that. Okay, anyway, so back, sorry, y'all, back to the cracked window. <laughs> Um, they found a tiny drop of blood on the windowsill. Oh, never good. Never good. No. So it is super critical that investigations happen quickly, especially when children are involved. The window for finding missing children 
alive and well, missing children. <laughs> the window. Back to the the window. window. The windows. Oh, small opening. Okay, this is a serious story, but this is, yeah, window. The, the window for finding missing children alive and well is relatively small because they often cannot fight back if something goes south, if something goes wrong. You know, they're little. Just so y'all it's know, important. Melissa writes these things. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, she really does, but I'm just like, giving her a hard time. So, we're just glad to have her back. And I'm glad to be back. And it's glad, I'm glad y'all are listening. Thank you so much. Share with your friends if you think you enjoy this. And this is such a heartbreaking story. Sometimes it is. it's okay to, to have some well, comedic relief. Not laughing at the no, story. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Um, laughing at Shannon trying to tell the story. Yes. It's different. <laughs> and the wordage is very, um, a lot of alliteration. So, I was getting ready. Oh, the police, they quickly fan out to start looking outside the house. It wasn't long before they find something that was truly disturbing. Right in the backyard on the fence next to a broken post was a pair of little girls' underwear with a blood stain. Oh. Sharon, the mother, has to identify it um, as being Kirsten's underwear and that she was actually wearing the night before. So she identified that it was. Yeah. I just can't even imagine. Right away, the neighborhood is sealed off and the FBI is brought in. Um, it is the number one priority to find Kirsten and find her fast. So just like we just talked about, you have to get on this quickly. Um, Roadblocks are set up. I, and they don't have the same 24-hour thing. You know how we've had stories in the past? Well, it's so different when there's a missing child. Plus, yeah. um, they saw blood on the window seal. So they, yes, they, knew, they knew something. something was, like, she just didn't run away. Right. So... Because um, we get so frustrated sometimes talking about that window. A, a lot of that is older um, older kids who could have run away or, or adults. adults who are, um, can leave on their own will and don't have to answer to anybody. So that, that's when the fight becomes harder to get police to search more. But in her case, it was it was obvious that something just wasn't right. So then they set up roadblocks and they started going door to door to find some witnesses to see if anyone knew anything. Several people reported hearing dogs barking around 3 a.m. With nothing really to go on, they start from the closest people to Kirsten. It was their theory that it had to be someone who was close to her. Maybe someone Faith knew too. Someone that was was familiar with the family or their home. Um, They had to be able to get in and kidnap one child while not disturbing the other and get away without causing a scene or having any neighbors hear or see anything. I mean, there was two two kids in that bed that shared the same room. So yeah. even if they weren't in the same bed and they were on opposite sides, someone coming in the house, yeah. taking one of them, but not waking up the other enough to alert right some sounds going on or she could have woken up and just kind of been foggy and not, you know, especially being three and um, yeah. So a child psychologist is brought in to talk to Faith, the three-year-old. Since she was in the same bed, uh, she probably saw who was responsible. But since she was just three, as we said, she can't really process or express what she knew. The only thing that the psychologist is able to really get out of Faith is the repeated phrase, a bad man came in and took my sister. So she was too young to give any uh, more information. Wow! So and she, she even regrets, see. like, had interviews like recently that she 
still Aww. feels bad that she wasn't able to point out who did it. But again, Aww, she was three. Thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You can't, that's, mm, that's sad. Cause a lot of adults can't even. Um, people don't pay attention anymore. You can be in a room full of people and like walk out and ask, Hey, did anybody have a hat on? And they were like, yes. no, no, I don't know. I was glued to my cell phone. I know one time we had a <laughs> um, law and justice class when I was in high school, many moons ago. And the teacher would often have someone like come through the classroom. You couldn't do that this day and time. So obviously I've got dust on my bones, but they come in and take something. Yeah. And then they run out. Well, then the investigator who came to teach the class would start asking for witnesses and what they saw the students, you know, just as it was a mock thing. And a lot of times they couldn't, they all had different stories. We and did course, that at the bank too for practice runs. Oh, that's cool. They'd have, then they, they would ha do a mock run up and then they'd be like, okay, can you tell me what about what you saw? And people standing next to each other would have totally different descriptions of, of who they crazy? saw. I'd be like, get a camera, people. <laughs> <laughs> this is what CCTV and security cameras yes. are for. There you go. I don't know. Can we look at the, can we roll tape and see what happened? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's your brain really Just be observant of your yeah. surroundings. And then see my brain is so confused <laughs> on a regular basis, not just counting the past three weeks when I got a concussion, but you watch so many things on TV. You can mix it up with something. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. just even. You can be reading a book and mix yeah. up what you saw with what you got going on yeah. in the book. Yeah. I mean, it's. Or dreams. You can mix something up with a dream. That's that you right. Saw. Yeah. So it's, it's really kind of. Um. And I just hate that she felt that guilt because she was only three. And I mean, we're just sitting here talking about adults not even being able to remember things. So, so the, the police decide to make it public and ask for help and tips start coming in by the hundreds. One tip came in um, that might be credible. A woman calls in and says that she was threatened by her boyfriend. He told her that if she didn't get in, a li in line, he would do the same thing to her as he did to Kirsten Hatfield. So a lot of tips like this called in and tend to be bogus. People looking to exploit the victim's family or get back to someone, um, get back at someone by putting them in the sight of the police. So out of a hundreds of calls, each one needs to be vetted because you never know which one might be the one that solves the case. And there are a lot of, I mean. And that's frustrating to get yeah. all these tips in and you have to follow every single one. And you might not, I mean. We live in a world where I live in my world thinking, oh, people are kind and, you know, which obviously we do a, a crime podcast. So I know people aren't kind, but you just live in your everyday world and you want to think the best of people. But people want to be on the news. They want to do things to get the spotlight. And so, you know, they call and lie. Um, so anyway, so the boyfriend in question was actually good friends with Sharon's brother. This was Kirsten's uncle, so he was um, familiar with the family and possibly their house. He also had a record including assault and battery and drugs. He was looking like a decent suspect, but it turned out he had a good alibi. He was seen at a local bar until well after 4 a.m. in the morning by several people. Now, that shows my naivety because I didn't know you had bars stay open to 4 a.m. In that city at that time, they did. Now, okay. it's normally 2 o'clock. Okay. 2 a.m.'s last call, but okay. in that particular city, it was 4. Okay, because I, I didn't realize. Okay, so he just wasn't around at the time when they believed she was taken, so he was cleared by the police. So Sharon was spending all of her free time doing anything she could to keep the search going. She was passing out flyers and making calls, talking to the media, 
Even years afterwards, she never stopped the momentum to find Kirsten. Now, this is cool. She decided to go to school to get a degree in criminology and got a job as a parole officer, working with sexual offenders, hoping to specifically run across someone that would have been responsible in her daughter's case. It's like, wow. you can't find out who did it. I'm going to run into I'm, somebody who did it. I like That's that. Crazy. That is good for her. So, in 2014, the case was still cold when a tip was called in. A woman called with a tip that was strange. Her grandmother passed away, and while going through her things, she came across a journal. In the journal was a handwritten story that her son put in there. It contained very graphic and gruesome details about how he abducted and murdered Kirsten Hatfield. So, she... (laughs) <laughs> do what my awesome grammar oh, you, you corrected it as you were oh, okay <laughs> so the story in the journal was so detailed and specific that the police needed to track down the guy who told his mother this story to find out what happened according to the story not only did it give specific details it mentions that it is all on videotape how Kirsten was taken from her own bed in May and brought to a small house in a nearby town where she was tortured and killed. The man denies that he had anything to do with it, but knows that it did happen, and he is aware of who uh, aware of who was involved. His ex-girlfriend is the one who owns the house that it was supposed to have happened at. So now it's a domino effect. Police may have aware, so they get a search warrant and gather all the departments. They get the dogs, the FBI, SWAT team, and surround this house. And then they did the luminol test, um, almost made the whole house light up. I think the phrase that I heard in, in my sources was like a Christmas tree, which um, luminol, we know, reacts with bleach, with protein. I mean, it's it's not a 100% accurate, this is blood test. Okay. But to have so much, like, on the floor, on the yeah. walls, and that this seemed like it was evidence something may have happened there. But there again, this was in 2014, right? And then this yes. happened in... Supposed to have happened in 97. Okay. So, no telling. It could have... But, I mean, if a fingerprint can sit there for 100 years, I mean, if well, it wasn't yeah. cleaned up well, then I'm right. sure. Right. But we don't... I guess at the beginning stage, you don't know exactly yeah. where all this that This just gives them probable cause That's to cut up the floor and, like, take pieces cool. of the walls and all that stuff. Um. So, there was so much blood residue, they, and they collected pieces of the floor to yep. send it off to test. Machinery is brought in to... Um, dig around the property but they don't find any human remains what they do find though is a box full of hundreds of videotapes and remember oh, the journal did say that it was on videotape so i don't know whose job it was but i do not want the job to sit there and go through hundreds of whatever is on these tapes yeah not, not to try yeah. to find Mm-mm. i mean because you just don't know what you got yeah you got to sit through and uh Tape by tape, they had to sit through and watch for hours on end to see if they had any proof of what happened to Kirsten. Nothing was on the tapes. There were no bones buried anywhere on the property, and the test came back from the floor that it wasn't even human blood. Hmm. They were sent on a goose chase. Resources and time were wasted. All for a fiction story someone decided to write down. Every lead has to be followed just in case. So, I wonder what was on the tapes. You know, inquiring minds. I do not know. I always have a question. Man. Okay. <laughs> that would be interesting no to know what was on the tapes. Idea. 
But so, you know, with every cold case, eventually it gets reignited. So we'll get to that in just a second. And we're back. And oh, I, we're back. Yes, oh, hey. and I so loved our conversation that happened during the break. Yeah. Sadly, won't get to hear because I wasn't pressing record, but. Oh, no. Get us about a hundred more people listening and we'll, we'll open up our <laughs> mid-time talks. You wanted to do a live show one time. Maybe for our, our oh, 50th. Oh, I was going to say, this isn't live, live, is it? Well, no. We're recording. For but, my 50th birthday? Huh? What? No. What? 50th episode. Oh, 50th episode. Yeah. I don't know. That might be around Christmas. So, <laughs> see. That would be fun. We could do a Christmas That would be the season finale. I know a Christmas story. Okay, we don't need to get All right, ready? right now. We're back. Okay, <laughs> so um, we're talking about Kirsten Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Time continues to pass. You know, we had followed up. We were talking about the cases uh, or the tapes. So things were getting cold. Yep, but nothing was on the tapes. But what often, well, something was on the tapes. Okay, worth, we don't know what was on the they tapes, but they weren't pertaining to this was, case. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, what often is needed when things go cold is a new set of eyes with a fresh perspective to reopen things and tackle the mystery from a different angle. That's what happens. De- Detective Miller comes along and starts working the case from the beginning. So, he starts with the evidence. And Detective Miller looks at everything they have found and something that just baffles his mind. Well, my mind, but it should be his mind too. Your everybody's mind should be baffled. Oh, well, my mind. I'm sorry, I was writing it for. No, I'm glad my mind got baffled three weeks ago, so it still is. <laughs> so, sitting untouched and untested were the two blood samples that were taken from the initial crime scene in 1997. Hmm. But even in 1997, I imagine things were at least good enough to blood type. Is it a male? Is it a female? Oh yeah, like that's they true. were never tested at all. Huh. Yeah, that was really strange. So they had the uh, blood from the windowsill and the pair of underwear. And so he was hoping that they might get some answers. This pulls an unknown male profile's DNA. Now they need to enter this into CODIS. Once it was uploaded, it was determined that there was no match. However, now they had something to compare it to. The next step, did you want to say something? Well, I was, what that means is, so, so now they know whose DNA was there. And CODIS is that universal, well, it's not universal because a lot of some, it's not 100% every single law agency, but it's most of the offenders, especially now if they get caught, your DNA gets put into CODIS. So if that person had previously committed a crime, it would produce a match. So what right. this means is this possibly was his first offense that he was caught at so they had nothing to compare it to and so but now he could possibly do more things in the future and then and get a hit on it or which is what they do next yeah okay so the next step is to go through the case files and meet with everyone again and get dna samples to compare against the ones they had collected everyone they ran into was willing to give um, their samples up no one really stood out or was even being guarded about giving up their DNA. They were hoping someone would start acting suspicious and give something um, for them to work with. That would have made it easy. Yeah. Like, hey, we need to get this DNA from you. Um, No. Like, okay, then why yeah. not? I know. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> True. So, 
um, do they take that DNA once, like if you were to give it up to match, do they keep that or can you? I think once they run it, the sample has been destroyed. Like they only that take is, a okay. sample to, to destroy because they can't, they can't, I don't think they can upload it into um, like a, the national database unless there's been something, a crime offender. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one day the lab calls and they had a match. It turns out the match was from the third person they had talked to once the case was re-examined. It was a man named Anthony Palma. He just lived two doors down from Kirsten, and his house was even visible from her backyard. Anthony was one of the first people they interviewed when police were searching the day after she went missing. He told police that he had gotten up around 3 a.m. because his dog was barking, and he let the dog out, came back in, and went to bed. He did not hear anything or see anything suspicious. Now, 17 years later, it was time to question him again to see if his story was the same. They bring him in for questioning, and it's all small talk at first. Then they ask him to go to back 17 years, and they remind um, to remind him of what his life was like. That really makes me nervous because I can't even remember last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, how are you supposed to? Like, I got subpoenaed one time to something to do with work. It was a case. And they wanted me to remember something that happened like eight months ago. And oh, I was yeah. like, um, really? Yeah. Like, I'm so busy. I don't keep track of stuff like that. Which, I mean, you would hope. But that was a traumatic. Is, yeah, this is traumatic. Um, okay, so he talked about the neighbor, how the neighbor kids would sometimes ask him to fix their bike. He admitted that he interacted with some people in the neighborhood, but he did not know or talk to Kirsten or her family. He did say that his friend used to own the house they lived in, so he was familiar with it and had been inside before, but not um, while the Hatfields were staying there. For about 30 minutes, he goes on about not knowing them or talking to them and how he only met Sharon uh, like one time after the kidnapping and gave her gas money to continue driving around looking for Kirsten. Then police dropped their smoking gun. They are finally ready to tell Anthony what he was brought in for. They tell, tell him that they collected DNA swabs from everyone in the case, and they just don't believe his story. Police tell him that his DNA was recovered in their house, on the windowsill, in the backyard, um, on the bloody pair of underwear the day that she went missing. Of course, he denies it. He said, it. no, not me. He even exclaims that it is far-fetched and he had no business over there at all. He denied everything. However, it is pretty hard to dispute the DNA evidence. He's trying to argue his way out of it. I don't know how you could argue your way out of that. Like, uh, listen to the clip and he's just like, no, no, it just, it wasn't possible. Like, that's far-fetched, really? Like, you can't, it's science. How people, <laughs> yeah, how people just lie and just, oh, think. And he wasn't even, like, outraged. He was just cool, completely, like, nope, wasn't me. So the interviewers leave, and Detective Miller comes in and slides a picture of Kirsten over toward him. He immediately pushed it away, which is a way of distancing himself away from his victim. They were hoping for a confession and to find out the truth of what happened and why, but that just didn't happen. They do, however, place him under arrest because science, like Melissa just said, put him there. He is convicted of the murder of Kirsten Hatfield. He waived his rights to an appeal. He did one thing to himself. He kept, oh, one, he kept one thing to himself. I'm sorry. I totally <laughs> skipped a word there. <laughs> sorry about that. He kept one thing to himself. 
All her family wanted was to get Kirsten back. Her mother wrote him letters. They just wanted to find her remains. In January of 2019, Anthony Palma was murdered in prison by his cellmate. Oh, man. He took his secret with him to the grave. Kirsten's remains have never been found, and she has never been laid to rest properly. Don't say, yeah. Um, so she would have turned 32? This year, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, her family hopes that with Anthony's death, the search will continue, and her daughter's case won't just be pushed aside. Because now that there really there's no way to find out any leads, especially from him, yeah. who they know was involved. She's, I mean, they still want to find her. They still want to bring her home. I wonder if his cellmate, I don't know. I imagine if he knew anything, he would have talked by now. Yeah, you would think so. Anthony's property was searched extensively and nothing was ever found. He did work for the Parks and Recreation Department for the state of Oklahoma. Wow, and the amount of places that he knew about or had access to seems impossible to search without a definite tip. I mean, just think how many state parks, how many, I mean, that's just... anywhere oh yeah and he had keys to places that you know typical people like you and i couldn't go into and um or you would have had to hide and they can't just dig up everywhere because i mean that would just yeah be a waste of resources hopefully a hiker as in some of the things that we've talked about or someone will come across kirsten one day and report it so she can finally be brought home and laid to rest just like we've had that happen a lot this year um, where DNA matches and remains were identified and people were caught. And so definitely that could happen um, in the future. There's always hope, especially with technology. So, you know, I have a question. I might have an answer. Or I might not. Mom, she went to be a parole officer. Yes. You know, the outcome of what she ended up, is she still doing that? I, is I don't she, know. Okay. It's okay. I don't know. I like to ask these hard questions. And, and, so. and when I'm writing these up, I often think Shannon's going to ask me something yes. about this. It's, it's because I need to work my brain to keep it young <laughs> so that I'll know how to answer things well, in the future. So, Well, being that one day we would want to do more complicated cases that would require more research and more time um, than I can give up right now at the moment. We want to still be accurate in what we talk about. I agree. Um, Because there's some stories I would like to cover that we could talk about for eight hours and still not cover everything that's available. Because, I mean, JonBenet or, you know, those big high-profile ones that everyone's talked about that everybody knows and is familiar with. So I'm trying to find the small ones that people don't haven't heard of. And And they don't always have all the answers to Shannon's inquiring mind. Yes. (laughs) And sometimes people don't think about their windows and it's hot outside. You want to crack them open or maybe your air is not working. And, you know, yeah. now I, I'm glad I, my son sleeps on the second floor facing yeah. the street. It's worth definitely <laughs> getting your, um, being safe and talking to your kids to scream or just, you know, just be safe because you want to make sure. Um, I'll tell you a good defense for any kind of windows that are low to the ground are Legos. Legos. Home Alone. Yes. Christmas ornaments. The I am, Sharpie yes. stars. <laughs> but no, seriously, have you, if you've ever stepped on a Lego. They hurt. Yes. It is definitely a good deterrent. So when the kid's bedroom is not clean and it drives you crazy, just push the Legos and the toys under the windows. And, you know, you're, that's a good home security system. So anyway. Not sponsored by Lego. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I mean, those little blocks that hurt your feet. 
<laughs> so anyway, but thank y'all for joining us again. Yes, yeah, so um, happy to have another person to talk to. I have enjoyed being back. Yes, I've even heard that because of my concussion. You know, I might not even be able to remember the name <laughs> of our. What's our podcast called? Oh, I'll quiz you. Old time crime gals. Good job. Yay! See, I, I don't forget everything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we won't tell how many times I practiced, but anyhow, <laughs> no. But thank y'all for joining us. It's good to be back. Thank you, Melissa, for hanging so, in there. And so we'll post this on what? What? What was it? Face post. <laughs> Face post. Yes, I came up with a new. A new book. No, <laughs> a new book. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't think that's what I said. You false said paste. No, you said face. False paste. Face paste. Face paste. Face paste. Face paste. Yes. So, anyway, <laughs> thank y'all for joining us. And so all the sources will be listed. So you can email us if you want to. We're oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com. We'll post the um, sources and all the stuff in the description. And just remember. If you do the crime, it's going to catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.